What's interesting about that as well is this idea of resonance, you know, like, so what attracts the spirit to a person or vice versa, exactly. you know? So you, you mentioned, you know, that the spirit is still stuck in a way, in a way of, in, in a form of thinking, a particular form of thinking. Well, I would offer the possibility that so is the person on earth in some way or another, and that is why they've drawn them. So I didn't find it a, um, a coincidence that whenever I reported on a darker experience that somebody has, um, and there are a few in Spirit Sisters, and the one in particular that I'm thinking of at the moment is a woman who was the, vic well, not the victim of, because how much did she create this, but there was a horrific poltergeist-style haunting in her home um, in Dubbo, New South Wales, when she was a teenager. Now, um, there was, you know, she had done a lot of meddling and dabbling with things that she didn't really understand, like a Ouija board and, you know, and, and there was lots of darkness within her because very sadly her home situation wasn't happy, yeah. there was abuse, you know, so it's this idea of darkness attracting darkness as well. And she was obviously... And, you know, she was also, it was also her empathy that didn't allow her to be in the workplace because she told me that she couldn't be in an open plan office because she was literally sensing and picking up everything that was going on in her colleagues' lives, the good, the bad and the ugly, and it was too much for her. So there was this idea of these gifts, um, for want of a better word, being, you know, um, not harnessed or not uh, that the person is struggling with them, but if they are to, if they were to find boundaries or find ways to work with their abilities, then their lives are going to blossom and flourish in a better way. This um, this message came through in another interviewee who had this incredible experience of grief awakening her psychic abilities, mm -hmm. and she would see a room full of dead people. <laughs> she would wake in the middle. You got to accentuate the positive. Wow! I feel good. A little bit of feel good goes a long way. You're listening to Karen Swain, teacher of deliberate creation, accentuating the positive, showing you a way to a better life. Accentuating the positive, it's not just bad, it's sanity. Who in their right mind would accentuate anything else? you feel like that's what you want to do. Portuguese surname. Oh, it's a Portuguese yeah, name. my so I'm Uruguayan. Oh, well, I, I don't know if you want. I can tell you this when we start. But um, so my, the, from my dad, my dad was born on the border of Uruguay and Brazil. So that's why it's um, he, he speaks Portuguese. I don't, but so that's why it's a Portuguese surname. Oh, there we go. Well, I just recorded that. Okay, <laughs> we're off and running. Okay. Hello and welcome to another show, accentuating the positive with Karen Swain. So wonderful to be with you today. Have I got a treat for you today? I've got a brilliant Australian writer, investigator, researcher. I don't know. What do we call you? Karina Machado. Here writer will do. <laughs> writer, I know. We're going to discuss her books. Of all things, afterlife related, paranormal, psychic ability, enlightenment, all that sort of stuff. We're going to discuss her books. Welcome to the show, Karina. So great to have you on the show. Thank you, Karen. It's such a pleasure to be here. I'm really excited. I've been listening to your podcasts for months now um, since I discovered them. I can't remember how I discovered them, but it was such a delight. And so I'm really honoured to be here. Thank you. Let me tell you how we met. So funny. 
So there's a charity here called A Sound Life, which I've spoken about on the show before. Ido uh, Khan, who I've had on the show before, started it with his partner, Joe. We had Ido on the show a few years ago because Joe, who was this just divine, gorgeous creature, died very suddenly in her mm. 30s. And Joe and Ido started a Sound Life charity. And what they do is they go into hospitals and facilities where uh, there is, um, you know, like uh, Down syndrome people, old people's homes or sort of fragile, I think they yes. call them fragile people, and they teach them uh, mindfulness and yoga or they sing, like all these musicians go in and they sing for these people and they just love it. So anyway, I had been thinking for years that I'll go in and do that because I've been seeing, seeing the charities go on. And I eventually did it and went into a couple of hospitals with a Sound Life charity. How long ago was it? A few months ago? A couple of months ago? So when we went, it was just before Christmas. Yeah. Just before Christmas. Yeah. And uh, there was too many of us to fit in the minibus. So I had my car. I said, oh, well, I'll take a couple of people. And Karina, <laughs> Karina is one of the people I took. So she's sitting in the front seat of the car. We're chatting away. And I started quizzing her as I do, you know. And she started telling me about her books. And I'm like, oh, my God. I said, I think I have to have you on the show. You know, I've got this podcast show. And she goes, oh, I know exactly who you are. <laughs> it was so funny. <laughs> sitting in the car with someone she'd been listening to. Yeah. You've been listening to me not on YouTube but on audio, right? That's right. I so listen on audio. you staring at my face. So exactly. It was so funny. There was this person in the car that you've been listening to. It was so funny. <laughs> It was great. When all the pieces fell into place, I thought, oh, this is fantastic. This is just great. And we had such a good day singing that day, didn't we? <sighs> we did. Such a great charity. So great. Beautiful. Uh, look, it's amazing how incredible the universe is, you know, how it, it lines you up with people. Yeah. It's, you know, I have this absolute faith and trust that everything that happens is happening for me, you know, for mm. me and my desires. But it's not a personal thing. It's not about me, me and my desires, but it's about my desire to want to, you know, reach more people and help yeah. more people yeah. and expand this consciousness and yeah. you have that same desire. And so yes. you know, when you're really lined up with your desire, just all this synchronicity happens all the time, don't you find? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And because we are all connected, it's a web, you know, when we begin to attend to those desires and to want to serve from a true place of open-heartedness, that can't but assist another it must yeah you know so it's beautiful yeah so i'm thrilled thrilled to, sure. to know you We're karen and to let be me, here let me read your bio okay, okay. i'm just gonna go it's only a small bio today so karina machado born in uruguay was two when her parents immigrated to sydney australia Yay! she grew up hearing <laughs> stories of her mum's psychic gifts which ignited a lifelong curiosity about life after death and other mysteries Passionate about books and writing since she taught herself to read with the little golden books, Karina always knew she had to work with words. Yeah. And after majoring in English at University of New South Wales, she began her career in journalism as an editorial assistant at Time magazine in 1994 and also is a former senior editor for a big magazine here in Australia called Who Magazine. Is Who Magazine also international? Well, Who began life as the Australian sister publication of People magazine, which is a huge okay. weekly magazine um, in the US. So, yeah, so Who initially, before it was sold to another company, was part of that um, family of Time Inc. magazines, which included Time and Life. Um, so big masthead, yeah. Karina is the author of a few books, Spirit Sisters in 2009, Yes. which is fascinating, which is just so many stories of people's encounters with 
ah, well, I suppose we could call them ghosts or spirits or angels or phenomena. Yep. That is not the mainstream. It's like all the stuff we talk about on this show, but not mainstream. Where spirits dwell in 2011 and love never dies in 2014. Yeah. And they're all pretty similar, really. They're all a yes. lot of people's stories. Yes. Yeah. I love people's stories. I love hearing stories. I feel that they're gifts to me. I feel very honoured and privileged when I'm gifted with a story. Yes, each book is an anthology of stories. And, uh, the, yeah, but as you say, the books are all connected. They're a series. They're a trilogy. Yes, they're a trilogy. So, um, yeah, I, I, so they went from Spirit Sisters, which was a very broad range of experiences, um, to Love Never Dies, which was just the one kind of experience, which is people sensing the spirit of a loved one of theirs who's passed away. So it's, in a way, the books tell the story of my understanding um, evolving, you know, and my, um, me coming to the understanding of the power of love in our lives, you know, and what, yeah, the, the immense role that it plays. Look, absolutely. You know, curiosity, I think, brings a lot of people to these types of books, curiosity or grief. So mm. when people are grieving the loss of a loved one, or maybe they're even scared of their own death, I think um, yeah. you, you said that at the beginning of one of your books that you were actually terrified of death too, weren't you? Like you well, like, yes, I was, um, you know, in a way, that's what sparked this. Yeah. Um, there are various roads that led to me writing Spirit Sisters, my first book. And, but one of them, as you say, was... Um, me being um, a child of seven or eight and being terrified of dying. And I think that's not uncommon. I think children at around that age tend to go through this fascination with what lies beyond and what comes after and the idea of physical death. And I was no different. And um, I'd read, for me, what triggered that was reading in a kid's textbook that one day the sun would actually obliterate the earth. And this was not an, uh, an if, but a when, you know, it's billions of years away or something like that. But the fact was the, the science textbook said it would happen. And so I just got stuck on that idea as a child. And, um, and I was getting, I was terrifying myself really, but it was this idea, this fascination about this world beyond uh, our physical life, our physical senses, that drew me out of that fear and it, um, it gave me hope. And so for me, ever since, I've been intrigued by the possibility that's innate in these experiences to, to gift us hope, you know, and that is what I've always tried to concentrate on in the stories. Um, and they're, I guess they're the message of my books and probably the overreaching message of my work is this idea of the afterlife bringing us hope. Well, not only does it bring us hope, it brings us enlightenment, really. I mean, yes. it's an avenue into enlightenment. I mean, we could sit at the foot of the guru and om and chant and, you know, read the Vedas or the Bible or the Buddhist stuff. You know, we can do all that or yeah. we can investigate the afterlife because right. it brings us to an understanding of love, like you said, yes. which is what Love Lemon Dies is about. And that, you know, as I was, I, I was reading your books yesterday and today, and as I'm listening to all the stories and people talking about, you know, the love, the love, the love, because I think people grieve when they feel like there's a love that they've lost, whether it's a child, a partner or a parent, that there's some love emanating from them that's now no longer on this earth. Yes. And so they feel like they've lost love. And when you do go down that rabbit hole of afterlife investigation, you realise that that love never came from that person. That love is who we are. 
It's well put. where we come from. Yeah. It's how we exist both here and there. Exactly. And, and that we have to stop looking for it inside another human. I mean, they've got their love, we've got our love. But it's about giving love, not seeking it. <laughs> and so, oh, my gosh, yes. Yeah. So um, I think that that's where all these stories lead to. Yes. And so it's, a, it's an enlightening journey, even if the journey feels like grief at the moment. You know? That's right. That's absolutely yeah. true. You, you put it beautifully, Karen. You put it beautifully. And we're all, I guess, um, at different markers on this road to understanding yeah. that, you know, that power within us, that love that is um, the very kind of ground of our being. Yeah. So let's get into the books because they're just sure. fascinating. There's so many stories. How did you meet all these people? I have to say, I was reading Spirit Sisters because you did that in 2009, right? And you yes. Said that it, it, um, it, it went quite viral here in, 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 I don't know, did it go like, did it sold well across the world? It sold well. It sold well. It was, you know, I was a first time author. I was a professional journalist, but I was a first time author. Um, and so, you know, the publishing industry, they, they don't, don't tend to put too much money behind, you know, publicizing the first time authors. Let's just say that. But, um, but my publishing company was, was great anyway. I was, I was so happy to. But yes, it just sort of took off and um, on, on little legs of its own, I like to say. Like, it was just extraordinary. It was, it was a true word of mouth hit, I think. Yeah. I think, you know, people told their friends about it um, they, and they told their friends. And I think also looking back, you know, trying to sort of, um, from this perspective, uh, ascertain what made Spirit Sisters such a hit because it was the only one of my books um, to be sold in the UK as well, so um, which was wonderful. But it, I think the title, Spirit Sisters, was very appealing to the audience, to the readers, and, um, and even the image on the cover of the original cover, which was a little girl reaching up to a ball of light. So within that image, and, and she was kind of an ethereal, you know, some would say spooky looking image of a little girl but at the same time this idea of her reaching up to the light so those two ideas joined together and and the the words spirits the words spirit sisters all of that the idea of the sisterhood I think it just all wove together to create a, something that people were very drawn to oh darling you've done well look I don't know how you meet all these people how did you meet because there's so many people just in spirit sisters how yeah. many people did you talk to? Oh, in Spirit Sisters, I think um, I probably spoke to at least 100, you know, people or had, you know, contact with them. And then the number of interviews that uh, I actually, well, the number of stories within the book was less than that because, you know, the editing and whatnot, and you couldn't actually fit them all in. But with Spirit Sisters, the way I found most of um, my interviewees was I had a little piece published in the Sunday Telegraph, well, it wasn't my article, somebody published an article in the Sunday Telegraph in the body and soul section. And through my contacts um, in the publishing industry, I was able to just get a little tag added to the end of this person's article, which was about the spirit world. And my, the little tag that I was lucky enough to get added on said, Sydney journalist Karina Machado is seeking women's experiences of the paranormal. If you have a story, email me. So I was not prepared for the influx of stories. I was actually wow. stunned to have my inbox flooded. There was this real desire that women had, and I was only calling for women's stories yeah. at that point. And we can talk about why that was later, but 
um, I couldn't believe it. There's a real hunger I, I, I found, a, very, a real hunger for people to share these stories in a safe kind of uh, uh, platform. Yeah. Well, like who else is doing it? You know, everyone's talking about the size of people's butts and, you know, who's married <laughs> to who and all that sort of stuff. Like who, you know, who. Everyone's talking about people, who, what they're doing. But there's not a lot of people like you. Well, there was more now. Yeah. yeah. I haven't found too many in Sydney that are really documenting this stuff. You know, there's groups yeah. and mediums galore and there's yeah. people talking to dead people in, in groups and stuff like that. But there's not a lot of people documenting this and, well, and right. gathering people's stories. That's and right. um and allowing this information to come out of closets. Yes, there's a real sense of coming out of the closet. And there were many people that I spoke to who said, I've never told anybody this, or or most of them would say, you're going to think I'm crazy, but I'm going to tell you anyway. And they would say that so many times. And then they would share an experience. Um, that's why I said earlier that I did feel so privileged because in many, many of the cases, it was the first time or one yeah. of the very few times they'd ever even voiced this experience. You know, there, there was yeah. one story in Spirit Sisters. Um, I call it, I don't know if you've read this one, Karen, it's called The Reluctant Medium. And it's a story about a, a nurse in rural New South Wales who has this extraordinary ability to um, see the dead. And she was not at peace with her gift. She found it very confronting, very painful. She was afraid of it. She was married to a man who, um, who was very in, in the physical. He would say, in, unless I can see it and, and feel it, it's not real. So, um, so she just kept her mouth shut. And, um, but there was one, so she had to be coaxed to talk to me. So a, a fellow interviewee who, who had spoken to me, knew her and, and coaxed this person into sharing her stories with me. So, um, but one of the things that she said that I've never forgotten is that she had the ability to see the loved ones at people's bedsides because she was a nurse. She would see people that were passing and she could actually see the looking clear as day, sometimes as physical as you or I, the spirit of the person waiting there patiently to take their loved one home and she said of everything that she could see and know about the spirit world that gave her immense comfort because she knew that we're never alone we don't go alone we certainly don't leave here alone never so she that was yeah and so that was wonderful to speak with her and I'll never forget that when I first started the interview it was almost like she was her voice was very small and choked it was like she literally had trouble getting the words out and then towards the end she sounded brighter and better and it was almost like a burden had been lifted (sighs) makes me cry yeah um that's why your work is you know your work my work and anyone else that's like documenting people's stories and and giving them a platform is so important so important you know the reason this woman, because I'm asking my guides, why didn't she feel comfortable with that gift? Because there's so many people like, I want that gift. And so yeah. I'm like, why didn't she feel comfortable with that gift? And they said to me, because people vilify it. That's right. Oh, yes. you know, everyone wants to be included and connected to yes. other beings on earth. And when you come out with like, I see dead people. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, no, you don't. <laughs> you know, they make you wrong. They vilify you. They say you're strange. And, and Absolutely. you know, especially in a hospital environment. Oh God, yeah. 
And you're talking about a small town in country New South Wales as exactly, well. Exactly. Yeah. And she, you're right about the word vilify because in her words, her words to me were very telling. She said, I'd be burnt at the stake. That's what she said. So it's very telling. That was her quote. So, yeah, it's very telling. Oh, my God. Now I'm tuning into her. No, don't go there. Um, <laughs> I'm like, she probably was in my past life. But, you know, there are reasons we have these. I don't call them gifts, I have to say. I don't call them gifts. And reading your book, this is what came up because I'm listening to story after story after story. When I say listening, because I'm listening, you know, I get the book to read to me. Yes. Um, and then you say that somebody says, you know, I can't remember somebody you were talking to. It might have been Jeffrey Mishlove. Somebody said, you know, these aren't gifts. This is everybody has this. This is like yeah. not a gift. This is an ability that we develop or shut down. And that's exactly how I feel about it. You know, when people yes. say you're so gifted, it's like, no, I'm not. It's like saying I can see is gifted. Like yes. everyone can see. Yes. I don't see that well anymore, hence the glasses. But we all have different abilities. You know, some yep. people can really see and some people can't. And it's the same with these, you know, abilities. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, you're not, you know, you, could, you might be able to sit down at a keyboard and bash out a few notes, but you're not, you know, a, a great composer. Like we all have different levels, you know, of abilities. And some people are extremely talented and gifted in the arts or in what may be and I think it's the same with these abilities that as you say are natural and innate to our humanity but in some people they are finely tuned and you could say that there's a spectrum you know of talent within say a person who's a medium you could have um, on the on the lower end of the spectrum what we could all probably relate to is this idea of thinking of somebody and then suddenly the phone rings and it's them so that's on the lower end of the spectrum and then on the higher end of the spectrum you see somebody like my reluctant medium interviewee yeah. who could see the dead you know standing right there and she told a wonderful story Karen as well about a little boy in Edwardian clothing who would appear to her while she and she was the mom of three you know keeping like busy with her home and her work and her family and she'd be washing the dishes and he'd appear and he was wearing his, you know, Edwardian kind of knickerbockers and, um, and a frilled shirt and he had ringleted hair and he'd be saying, help me, help me, help me. And she did not know how to help him, you know. And I think that was a part of her frustration as well because she didn't actually know what she was meant to do to assist them. So I gave her some, like I gave her some references and some people to speak to and, um, you know, some, some pointers based on my basic knowledge of sending them to the light. Um, and hopefully that might have helped her or not, but I'm not sure. But I think there was that um, fear and frustration in her as well that she well, wasn't sure what to do with them. This is what I found so uh, fascinating about reading all those stories was that was a common theme. And I just want to say to people who are listening to this too, if you want to support ATP Media, I'm going to put all my affiliate links on my webpage, which I'll have a link underneath. If you want to buy Karina's books, because they're just brilliant. They're beautiful. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Um, buy them on my affiliate links and I get a couple of cents. Woohoo! Support the show. Anyway, um, is that that confusion about mm. having these experiences. So what do I do with this? Like I'm seeing a boy in period, you know, like shuffling down hallways and stuff like that. I think I remember telling you about when we were together in the car about that guy interviewed who saw the woman in period dress in the hallway. Yes. And, yes. Um, he freaked out and uh, he told his wife and his wife goes, oh, thank God, you can see her too. Yeah. <laughs> and he said, you can see her? He said, yeah, I didn't want to say anything. I said, you'd think I was crazy. But what happened was that experience of seeing this woman in this hallway 
who looked as solid as you and I, dressed yeah. in a period dress. He lived in an apartment, right? And he was a few wow. stories up. His immediate thought was, how did she scale the wall in that dress? <laughs> I love that. I love that because it's that meeting of both worlds, you know, that collision. It's great. <laughs> it's such a funny thing. Yeah. It's a funny thing to think. Yeah. Like someone's broken into my home. They're in period dress. How did they scale the wall wearing yeah. that? But uh, she told him a story about her death and, and she was murdered and he looked it up and, and, and verified. But she actually turned up because he turned out to be a professional medium and now he, he worked, yep. he quit his job. and he's So there are reasons that these things happen. Yes. They're not random exactly. things. And, you know, tuning yep. into your nurse, the reluctant medium, yep. um, you know, the reluctance comes from her thinking that her life's all about what she thinks it's about and it's not. It, it, you know, you know, she's kind of got with the programming that she's there to help people, but she's helping them in this really mainstream way. And actually, yes. you know, she had planned to do it in a more expanded way, in, in a way. And uh, she was, yeah, not getting with the program, really. But she was being reluctant about it. You know, That's, she was being reluctant. Yeah, she was. There was a real resistance that I sensed yeah. in her. And now... 10 years down the track uh, from the publication of Spirit Sisters, I'm looking to launch a podcast in which I'll revisit some of these key stories of mine in all three of my books. And um, I think it would be great for me to try and find this lady and see what has happened, what has changed in her life, what that acceptance she's come or not come to in the, in, within the last decade. That would be really good. Yeah. Yes, so everyone has to support Karina's podcast. You're not going to do it on YouTube, or are you going to do it on YouTube? You're going to do it on audio-only podcast? For now, yeah. For that's now. the plan. Yeah, that's the plan for but now. what are you going to call the podcast? We're well, I think, I think it will be Spirit Sisters. Mm -hmm. yeah. And um, it, it's the idea behind it is to celebrate the 10th anniversary of this book that was such a powerful force in my life and that resonated with so many readers. And also, so, and to, so to revisit my interviewees, but also to unearth new stories. And one of the things I've really become fascinated with, Karen, in the last couple of years or more is, and I've told you this, near-death experiences. I find that within those stories, and we always come back to the power of storytelling, but Within those stories lies a key, a really powerful um, healing mechanism to help us navigate life on this physical earth, you know. Uh, that's what I sense, like there's something very powerful in these experiences and these people that have them are like these, these brave, intrepid explorers who, who go to the other side and then come back with these treasures for us. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, how much we're willing to, to listen and take on this advice that they give us, you know. So I'm, I'm fascinated with NDEs at the moment. Yeah, a lot of people look at NDEs because they're fascinated about where we go. Yeah. But NDEs, uh, is, it's not really so much about where we go. It's about how we can take the knowledge from that while we're here. Absolutely. Yeah. That, I couldn't agree more. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, I know a lot of people, you know, I get sort of <laughs> vilified on the YouTube under comments. Um, they don't have them under iTunes, so people don't write under iTunes. But um, because I, I, I'm more about the message from the NDE than the actual, well, what did it look like and who was there and, you yep. know, like the description of the place. Yeah, because we can go there <laughs> anytime. We're there when we're dreaming. You know? Very good point. That's, uh, that's a very good point, Karen. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. yeah. No, sorry, I was just going to say because you're right, because 
that what we see in the NDE, I imagine, has the richness and the, and the variation of a dream, you know. So it'll be personalised in a way. Absolutely. Whereas the message, what you're saying, is what counts. And yeah. the way that the NDE experience is going to receive that message will vary. Um, but, you know, the proof is in the pudding, as the cliche goes, because the message is so often the same love one another, you know, it make every moment count. Like how many ways, it's almost like how many ways can we say the same thing? And yeah, until we get it, it? we're not getting it. Um, It's not just loving one. Well, loving one another helps, but it's loving. It's like, it's love. It's like loving everything. It's like knowing we're love. And when we do know we're love, I went to dinner the other day, uh, the other night. um, And there was a gorgeous woman there who has a charity raising money for um, girls in Africa. And I said, well, specifically, what about the girls? And it's really about genital mutilation. Oh. And then she told me about what goes on. And I oh. just sat there thinking, how does this happen? Yes. You know? And she said, it's not a religious thing. It's a money thing because they basically sew them up so that they are virgins and they're worth more money when they sell them to their husbands. Calling. And I'm just like, Calling. oh, my God, how does this happen on this planet? Yeah. You know? And so I listen to stories like this yeah. and I think, you know, this love message just needs yeah. to be bigger and bigger and yeah. bigger and bigger. It's like there can't be enough of it. It just, you know. That's, that's so true, you know. It's so true. Um, and how do we do it? I don't know because, you, you know, as you say, like it's very easy to, to despair when we hear and about the ways and they seem to be infinite for man to, you know, be inhumane against fellow man. And um, how do we not despair? How do we, it's, it's about, I guess, you know, what we focus on grows. So if we can know that, as you say, that these are horrific things go on, but still choose love and still choose to focus on love. And it's a moment by moment choice. I mean, within our lives every day, we're faced with choice upon choice. Mm. You know, and it's about remembering. And it'll be small things. It'll be small things that will trigger us. It won't be you know, such a huge issue as genital mutilation or, you know, that we're faced with in our day-to-day lives every day, most hopefully anyway, but, but still the choice is the same, you know, and it's, yeah, probably about staying in a certain vibration so that we can make a difference. And, you know, one of the messages of the NDEs too is the life of you, you know, what you do to another, it's like a classic teaching in all spiritual traditions, what you do to another, you do to yourself. And, we don't understand that from this sort of singular perspective. Exactly. But when you reemerge, you have a more unified perspective. And so you actually feel what you've done to other people. Yes. And um, as if it's being done to you. I know. How extraordinary how, is that? How extraordinary. And I think that, you know, this is what we need to be more of in this plane. We need to yes. see. And that's why all these expanded awarenesses like empathy Yes, people are feeling everybody and all these poor empathetic people. When yeah. I say poor, they're feeling everyone's pain they and they're suffer. freaking out. Ah! Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, how do I navigate this empathy? Yeah. So yeah. anyway, we're going to chat about this all day. Um, we could. Let's talk more about some of the um, stories. And yes. And in Love Never Dies. Um, I didn't read the third one or the middle one. The middle one you didn't read, Where Spirits Dwell, which is about people going through hauntings. Yeah. Oh, it's hauntings, is it? Hauntings. Well, yeah. I have to say, as I was reading it, one of the things, because you had a bit of haunting stuff in, uh, in Spirit Sisters. Yes. And, um, you know, it goes into the sort of horrific, like, story. But then, oh, yeah. There's always a, 
it's always kind of a happy ending. It reminded me of um, Sixth Sense, you know, like the whole show is about the haunting, like the little boy's like terrified, I see. Yeah. But right at the end of the movie, there's a reason and it's only his ignorance that created the fear, yes. which is what, is what all hauntings are about. Because yes. it's only people's ignorance that creates the fear because it's some poor spirit or soul who has still maintain their connection to their ignorance or their limiting thoughts uh -huh, or ideas uh -huh. about themselves. Even though they've dropped the body, they haven't dropped the mind. Yes. And so they've stayed on this dimension. As you've said in Spirit Sisters, there's a couple of yep. dimensions, like um, you stay here or you cross over. Many people talk about that. Yep. And they're trying to navigate their negative thoughts from you know, a spirit perspective still yep. on the earth plane. Do you want to talk more about that? Yes, and I think what's interesting about that as well is this idea of resonance, you know, like, so what attracts a spirit to a person or vice versa, exactly. you know. So you, you mentioned, you know, that the spirit is still stuck in a way, in a way of, in, in a form of thinking, a particular form of thinking. Well, I would offer the possibility that so is the person on earth in some way or another, and that is why they've drawn them. So I didn't find it a, um, a coincidence that... Whenever I reported on a darker experience that somebody has, um, and there are a few in Spirit Sisters, and the one in particular that I'm thinking of at the moment is a woman who was the, well, not the victim of, because how much did she create this, but there mm -hmm. was a horrific poltergeist-style haunting in her home um, in Dubbo, New South Wales, when she was a teenager. Now... Um, there was, you know, she had done a lot of meddling and dabbling with things that she didn't really understand, like a Ouija board and, you know, and, and there was lots of darkness within her because very sadly her home situation wasn't happy. Yeah. There was abuse, you know. So it's this idea of darkness attracting darkness as well. And she was obviously, again, this is, you know, my perspective just having spoken to her, a very gifted medium so and it's this empathy that's you know as wide ranging as you can imagine that has drawn in this spirit who's the same as her really it's yeah. difficult but there, I do believe there's match. resonance yeah absolutely, absolutely. law of attraction yeah law yeah. of attraction just doesn't happen on the earth plane it's happening in all dimensions yes um, and even when we're in another dimension we're still attra like attracts like so exactly holding a frequency or a set of beliefs yeah then you're going to attract a similar vibration. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think, you know, it's taken me years to, to really understand that. Like I, I understood sort of the nugget of that truth back then when I was telling this lady's story. But now, it's now with the further reading and the understanding and the delving into spirituality more than spirits yeah. uh, that I've come to, uh, have come to these conclusions about sort of the, the oneness and the all-encompassing quality um, that that has you know that creates quote unquote hauntings or you know yeah. call them what you may yeah so so yes yeah, so basically no coincidence that when a situation is very dark then you know you get a, a very dark story yeah um, so yeah yeah likewise we attract you know people into our life that are a vibrational match we can attract people that just don't have bodies <laughs> yes or spirits. And when, yes. you know, it's, it's all vibration. So it's when you hold a loving, kind yes. vibration, you're also attracting loving, kind spirits or entities or thoughts. That's or right. 
uh, into your life that or and angels, like lots of nurses who are just yes. awesome, you know, work with the angelic realm in, in yeah. hospitals because they're yeah, kind, loving people. And maybe some nurses who have become tired and exhausted from the nursing system and they're all negative thoughts. Likewise, they're, likewise, they're attracting um, spirits that maybe there are dead people in the hospital that died that yes. didn't know that they died and so grumpy nurses are attracting them you know following right. them around and it teaches us you know like we because we might not understand the vibration that we're holding we think outwardly we're one thing but these life experiences that we draw in whether they're on this earth plane or beyond um they show us exactly what we are inside you know as um somebody said we see life as we are yeah as we are exactly yeah what else did we have in spirits what what were some of the things that um stood out for you i know it was 2009 it was a while ago but uh some of the that really rocked your world when you were investigating this what were some of the people that rocked your world so the poltergeist oh. one must have. oh yeah it did and i traveled to dubbo to to meet that lady and certainly what stuck out to me when i met her was that she was so so traumatized by what had happened to her wow. as a 14 year old and when i met her she was nearly 40 wow. um and that really stayed with me, you know, that the way that we can carry these experiences inside us and how they can inform the rest of our lives. Um, for this lady, she, I remember she had a very um, severe spinal disorder, uh, which caused her a lot of pain and meant that she couldn't actually go into the workforce. Um, and so she was living, you know, a very quiet, some might say a kind of a stifled um, life. And, you know, she was also, it was also her empathy that didn't allow her to be in the workplace because she told me that she couldn't be in an open plan office because she was literally sensing and picking up everything that was going on in her colleagues' lives, the good, the bad and the ugly. And it was too much for her. So there was this idea of these gifts, um, for want of a better word, being you know, um, not harnessed or not, uh, that the person is struggling with them. But if they are to, if they were to find boundaries or find ways to work with their abilities, then their lives are going to blossom and flourish in a better way. This, um, this message came through in another interviewee who had this incredible experience of grief awakening her psychic abilities. Mm -hmm. And she would see a room full of dead people <laughs> she would wake in the middle of the night and um, this is after a terrible grief which was i think her mother's from memory her mother's suicide and the miscarriage of a longed for baby um, so this opened her up to this world that was like something you can imagine out of a film like she would see her bed bed surrounded by people in all different kinds of period costume yeah. costume you know like hollywood but yeah. and they were all just standing there calling her wanting her and so she had to eventually she found a way with help and support she she kind of said opening hours you can come between this time and that time but not this time so um so that was another message too that we have to learn if this has happened to us we have to learn how to work with these abilities um the other interesting message that came through was um the, what triggers something like this? You know, this is fascinating and there are different ways. So with this particular lady, there was grief. Um, it can be puberty, you know, 
in some women it was pregnancy that there are these certain life phases there's trauma and abuse you know as well that can trigger there are so many different ways to trigger this kind of um altered state of consciousness i guess it is which which invites expanded expansion that's what it is an expanded Mm. awareness exactly Mm. so there was that and um I love, there's one particular story that I love and it's called The Family. I don't know if you read that one, Karen. It's about sure I did. <laughs> a woman who, um, when she was about eight, she went to a sleepover at her friend's house across the road and she had often gone to this little girl's house for a sleepover. But on this particular night, she woke up in the middle of the night and there was suddenly a family of three standing in front of her in, in colonial or Edwardian clothing Um, and it was a father, a mother, and a little boy. And they just, it was like a stare off, you know, they just stared at each other for quite a few minutes. And then the mother uh, whispered something into her little boy's ear and he nodded. And then he took a couple of steps forward and reached out to, to poke my interviewee, Amy, in the leg. And that's when the only time that she screamed and the spell was broken and they, they disappeared at that point. But what I love about that story is this idea of the interactive quality, you know, like we can interact, they're conscious too. And it's this idea that's in a movie like The Sixth Sense and in a movie like The The Others, which is one of my favourite ghost movies starring Nicole Kidman. Um, Who's haunting who, you know? Who's haunting who? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I have to say it's fascinating to me because I don't have those experiences, but I have experiences that other people don't have. But yeah. um, I had an experience recently where I was in the shower and I saw this hideous face and I knew immediately that somebody had been shot in the face. And oh, wow. I had had this, um, this pain and nosebleeds where he had been shot in the face. So I knew he was getting my attention by giving me these physical symptoms. Yeah. And uh, he was just wanting help. And yeah. I, I just said, you know, listen to your spirit guides. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I, again, it's vibrational frequency. Like I yes. don't speak to dead people who are at a certain vibration. Yeah. But if they have evolved, because I've got contact with my mob, I call them, my guides, yep. who have an intention, let's call it intention, let's not call yes. it higher or lower, that yep. has an intention that I have the same intention, right? Yep. So I have clear access to them, but not like I don't see ghosts and stuff like that, like other people do. So it fascinates me when I hear these stories. It's extraordinary. Because I don't have that experience that people can interact with ghosts and dead people in different, um, either, you know, like walking this earth in their astral body or who have crossed over to a second earth. Did you you, um, listen to Cyrus Kirkpatrick talk about second earth? No. Uh, he's uh, someone that helped me with the first book, Awakened by Death. He's an author and he's had many books okay. and he has these astral experiences where he has, um, he goes to Second Earth, which is a complete astral replica of Earth mm. in an astral form, which mm. I think a lot of these so-called ghosts live. And mm. then there are these, ble- there's this bleed through between that dimension and this dimension where we have this interaction yep. with Second Earth and uh i like that idea of bleed through that's a good way to put it yeah. yeah and you talk about too in your book there's like a bleed through in time mm. where people are do you want to talk a few stories I'm, about yeah i'm fascinated with um they're known as time slips and time um slips. if i i'm always intrigued to hear time slip stories if anyone would like to reach out with their time slip story to me please do i love them 
there's actually not that many that I've come across. In my book, I, um, I tell a story in Spirit Sisters of a woman who um, is driving her car on a route that she drove very often. It was in Perth, I remember. And she, she suddenly heard the sound of an aircraft very low, very low. And she thought, what is that? And she looked up and she saw a vintage aircraft. And at the time she was able to identify what kind of vintage aircraft it was. And it was low enough that the pilot looked down at her and waved. Now, um, this, this was not, nobody else was alert or alarmed by the idea of this plane, like nobody else around her, fellow drivers. So she understood that only she could see it. And, yeah. um, and she later found out there was a certain airport that serviced, um, I, I can't quite remember how the story went, but she found out that there was an airport nearby that was active during, you know, the Second World War or, or during a time when, I can't, I can't actually recall how it went, but she made the connection. Um, so, so there's an idea there that some, the times collided in that moment. Again, what brought that collision into play? I would suspect that it's a form of resonance between her and that pilot. Something drew them to each other in that moment that opened the doorway. But, okay, um, so yeah. was she seeing a past life of hers? Possibly. You know, she could have been Possibly. the pilot or she could have exactly. been the wife of the pilot, somebody that was looking down and seeing the pilot you're like was she having a exactly a time where she had witnessed this in a past life or yes um, and you know and that's mm. such a good point because going back to the story I told a few minutes ago about the family and my interviewee who saw this this old-fashioned family at her bedside um possibly you know because life is multi-dimensional yeah. and infinitely creative yeah possibly she was looking at herself in the quote-unquote past, although I've since, I'm fascinated by the idea of past lives, but I've since come to believe that it's not so much past lives, as simultaneous lives, and it's a, mm -hmm. it's a simultaneous flowering of life that's happening in every moment. You know, um, I had Penny Kelly on the Inner Sanctum, which is our online gatherings. We get together and I invite someone on the show. I'll have to get you into the Inner Sanctum too. great. And, uh, you know, a little tribe of us, we can ask questions and have yeah. conversations like this. And she was talking about shifting, you know, like shifting, like well, what we're going through in our society now, like we're shifting from the old to a new way of being, mm. which is from a fear-based society to a love-based society, you know, uh, fear and separation to love and unity, which yep. is what we talk about, right? But there's plenty of fear. And so she said, you know, in a society where it's shifting, it, it all gets disrupted. Yes. People who hold that vibrational frequency when they die, uh, they come back to that resonance, as you call it. Mm -hmm. But people who shift in this life, when they reincarnate, they come back to a new frequency. So it's like they come back to new earth, which is yep. more, or um, you know, love and unity rather than old earth. But as yep. I said, all of it still exists. Yes. I can, yes. It never goes away. That's exactly right. And, and yeah. it's just, a re, it's like the resonance, like what yep. you want to experience, like what time yes. frame. So if we're living in this time frame and we're slipping into another time frame, yep. obviously resonating at a similar vibration. That's right. Yeah. As the idea of trying to establish what that connection is, is fascinating. And, you know, the answer could be manifold, like there are a million possibilities, but I think it's got to do with a moment of personal connection 
between the person on our plane and the person on that other dimension, that other plane, you know, yeah. something's drawn them together in that moment. Yeah. And it's extraordinary. And similar to time slips, um, there are story, two stories of people who have seen their own doppelgangers in my Yeah, book. this is the next question. Yeah. <laughs> you tuned in. Yeah, the doppelganger, which is something Penny talked about. She saw herself walking out. You know, she was canning tomatoes and her husband said, come bed to bed and make love with me. And she said, oh, I guess she got an American accent. Oh, I can't, you know, I'm, I'm too busy. I'm canning tomatoes. And so he went to bed. And then as she came to bed that night, she saw herself, the naked her, walk out of her bedroom wow. and go and have a shower. And she just like, so that there was a part of her that went and did that. And there was a part yes. of her that stayed in the kitchen canning tomatoes. And um, yeah. she's seen it. So that's when I was reading the double gangers. And yeah. I was thinking of that too. Talk about the stories of the double gangs. That's amazing. There are. So there are two in there, um, two different women who've experienced their doppelganger. So one of them, um, I just love because, I mean, I love them both, but so one in particular, um, a woman woke up to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night. She went and she was just sitting on the loo and she looked up and about a metre and a half away from her, which isn't very far, there she stood. Now, she was washing the figure, the double, was washing her hands um, in or seemed to be. So what she was doing was she had her hands together and was moving them and her face was moving and it was almost like she was looking into a mirror and washing her hands. That's what it looked like. But my interviewee who was sitting on the loo was frozen in fear because she did not understand what she was seeing. And um, she she clocked it enough to to realize to acknowledge that the the double was wearing a nightgown of hers that had been a favorite of hers that she'd actually thrown out years ago because she it had fallen to pieces with love like she'd worn it so much yeah but but her hair was in a way that she'd worn it years before and there was so there were there were parts of the double that didn't match her that were different but she could clearly see it was herself anyway she was very unsettled by this experience and then a year and a half later, she'd just had dinner and went to the bathroom to wash her hands. And my, this is my interviewee. And she was standing in the mirror washing her hands when she realised that was the moment she'd seen. And she had this sense that if she turned her head to look at, towards the toilet, she would see herself sitting there in the past. So, um, but let yes. me ask you, but hang on. This doesn't make sense. So she was wearing a nighty yes. that she had already thrown out. So how That's did right. she have the same nighty on in the future? She didn't. She didn't. So there was a combination of, of factors that, if you like, didn't make sense that right. involved, exactly, that involved the, the past, the present and the future. So there was almost wow. like a creative aspect to the vision as well. But um, so at the time that my interviewee had the initial experience and she was sitting on the loo, they were going to renovate their bathroom. Yeah. but they hadn't done it yet. So a year and a half later, the bathroom had been renovated and where my interviewee was standing washing her hands, there was a basin and a mirror where there hadn't been before. So oh, in a sense, she'd looked into the future and seen okay. herself there at this basin and mirror that weren't there in that moment. But wearing her hair and the yes. outfit from her past. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's fascinating. It's really fascinating. Um Time is, you know, time. It, it, yeah. So that was like a message that all time is yeah, happening at once. The exactly. Past and the present. It's like 
See, there's you in the past standing in the bathroom in the future. I mean, this is that's, that's exactly right. Yeah. yeah, it's exactly right. And I had another interviewee in Spirit Sisters. Um, this isn't exactly a this isn't a doppelganger story, but I think it speaks to the same um, to the same topic about time. And she saw a vivid, vivid um, vision. It was a dream, actually, but much more than a dream of JFK's assassination exactly one week before yeah. it happened. Mm. So premonitions, in a way, speak to this idea of the, the simultaneous quality of time, which is something Einstein talked about as well. But so this woman um, was living in England as a nanny and she was a young woman and she had this powerful powerful disturbing dream of jfk being assassinated who was the president at the time of america and she um was so disturbed by this dream that she told she woke up she told her employers about it and she also was so disturbed about it that she reopened a card that she had ready to mail to her mum for her birthday who, her mother lived in france she opened it and p.s mum i just want to tell you about this dream because i'm just so troubled I dreamt about this, this and this. Then she sealed it and mailed it. Now, by the time her mother had received the card and for her birthday and opened it, JFK had been assassinated and it had all played out exactly as this lady had seen it. And she said she saw technicolour detail. She saw Jackie Kennedy's pink suit. She saw the blood everywhere. She saw exactly how it played out. But she also saw the murderer too, which was interesting. Did she? Yeah, because I just read it yesterday. She said she saw a guy in military. That's right. I'd forgotten that detail. With a gun running away. That is right. Yes. Not the person who was arrested and killed for it. Did they kill him or put him in jail? Well, he was assassinated, yeah. Was he assassinated? But some military person. Yes. You're right about that. I'd forgotten that really important detail. Interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. So, again, it speaks to all time happening simultaneously and some of us being able to access either the, you know, past, as we call it, or the future. You know, details like this um, are the very reason that, hmm, I don't even know who to call them, you know, the powers that be, the mainstream world, the mass media, don't want us to develop these abilities because then... Uh, you can't lie. You know, there's transparency. So if you want to murder somebody, um, you know, there are people out there, millions of them that go, oh, yeah, well, I could see you doing that, you know, and you can't hide. That's right. And it's also agency. Like we'll have our agency. We'll know. We'll take care of our own lives. We, we probably won't buy into the advertising industry or the, you know, whatever industry, you know, they're trying to sell us. You're selling way. you stuff based on fear. Exactly. That's based on how you're not good enough and, yeah. you know, like insurance companies won't do very well because it's all based on fear and somebody... If you know yeah. that it's all about vibrational resonance and then when you change your vibe to feeling safe and secure and loved and nurtured, yes. then you're probably not going to have some guy break into your house. So insurance companies, like, you know, household insurance and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And, um, life insurance probably. Yeah, so a whole lot of industry that makes a lot of money on fear, which is probably... 99.999% of industry, um, yeah, they don't like it when, you, when we start to expand. I think that's true. I do yeah. think that's true, you know. That's why we have to about power. Yeah. About power, yeah. Yeah. Ah, oh, look, fascinating. Okay, so um, got the cat here rolling around on <laughs> uh, So, So 
love never dies. What's mm. happening in love now? Then we could talk about spirits. This is the whole thing. We could. We could, yeah. So people, look, read it. It's, so who is it for? It's people, it's for people with a curious mind. Yes. It's for people who, um, it was written a while ago. And as you say, in your spiritual evolution, yes. you've come yes. to a, a lot more conclusion and expansion since yes. then. Uh, it is very. It is written in a very journalistic way, like reporting what people yep. say, um, yep. more than you know explaining explaining why things happened. It's just that's reporting. right. Yeah, it's reporting. more giving them the platform to share their stories in a safe way. Yeah. Um, I do, you know, in the introduction in, and in the conclusion, I do explore some possibilities. For instance, I interviewed a, um, a sleep expert to ask about sleep paralysis, which is a fascinating thing because I realised there were lots of little common points that I picked up in lots of the stories. And one, for instance, was this idea of paralysis coming just before an experience. And, um, and I'd heard of sleep paralysis and how it's supposedly a, a very scientific and very natural um, happening condition that you know lots of us can experience especially at times of stress but there were stories that i heard that within my research for spirits this is it didn't match up to the to the idea that the answer is sleep paralysis and it's just this very common condition so i did interview him a, a guy a, a doctor who could tell me about that for instance so i did explore you know alternative solutions um i i cast the net wide in the conclusion to hear about what what could be at the heart of these experiences? Um, but yes, it is more about sharing them. And it's, it's a book for people who love stories mm. and who find a little zing of um, excitement in them, you know, mm. like awakening that almost childhood fascination that I had, you know, I'm sharing that. Like I wrote that in the spirit, you know, there was a show um, and anyone I'll give away my age now, but there was a show in the 1980s called That's Incredible. And I don't know if you remember it, Karen. It was an American show. It was quite cheesy. I'm sure listeners will remember it. It was fun because they'd had a studio audience and they would broadcast. There was a host and he would tell stories about the unexplained and they'd have, you know, a haunted Toys R Us shop in Anaheim. There'd be a person who, you know, saw a ghost, whatever, all different things. And then the audience would scream out, that's incredible. And they'd all applaud. So there's a that's incredible spirit within Spirit Sisters. There's a, a celebration, if you like. There's a there's a theme of celebration within the story. So, yeah. so Just there's that back too. To sleep paralysis. Yes. You know, often sleep paralysis is when people perceive that they're back in their body, but they're not. Like when they're uh, re-emerging back into this, you know, dimension from their nightly sojourns, and. Yes. Um, and they perceive that they're in their body because they kind of don't understand that they can actually leave their body. Yep. And they yep. try and move their body, but they've got no control of their body because they're not in it. But it's so near-death experiences talk about. Now, I was listening to one yep. yesterday of a woman who died. Now, how did she die? But, yeah, she was hit by lightning. So mm -hmm. she's on her way to, to a church service and she walks into the church service with her screaming children who've just seen Oh, I've her. heard that story. You saw that story? Yep, yep. And, um she doesn't realize she's not in a body. Mm, yeah. <laughs> she's looking That's at right. She, so yeah. So that happens too with sleep. People don't realize they can leave their body. So they're not That's in really their body point. and they're trying to move their body and they can't. And so they feel paralyzed yeah. because they're not in their body. That's right. Some people say, you know, I'm beside myself. You can often do that too. You can sort of like 
not be completely centered in your body and you bump into things and you have no sort of space, you know, because you're very not, true. Yeah. So I have a story of my girlfriend who uh, died, she killed herself, and afterwards she was going around to see one of them is the sister of the one of the people in the book actually oh, two degrees of separation that's I mean. amazing Karen. um that really uh, is, isn't it? she doesn't believe in any of this stuff but yeah. kate after she died uh was in her room no she was on her stairs and she knew she was on her stairs but then it was another friend of kate's who didn't believe in any of this stuff either who woke up with that sleep paralysis but he felt like someone was sitting on his chest yeah, yeah. that's the and classic he, sleep paralysis. and he's completely yeah. Uh, freaked out because yeah. it feels like he's got this ton of bricks on his chest. Yeah. And then when he stops freaking out, he, he has this knowing that it's Kate. Mm. And he goes, oh, I, I, you know, I'm sensing Kate. And as soon as he had that thought that, you know, the, yeah. it and then he sensed her standing in the corner of the room. Yes. Uh, and he was freaked out too. But she yes. wasn't doing any harm. She was just checking out, checking out on because I was talking to her the whole time after she died. And she was just um yeah she was just seeing exploring yeah exploring yeah 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 well um i i you know i think that there is no like coincidence there why is it that the the condition of sleep paralysis gives rise to other kinds of paranormal for want of a better word again experiences um, it's because there's something going on there to do with our our spirit being outside our body that you know medicine cannot explain um, so very handy, you know, to say, oh, just just write it off as sleep paralysis. But that's why I interviewed the sleep paralysis expert because I wanted to understand why this idea of feeling paralysed preceded so many of the experiences. Um, there's and one what did story. He say? Well, he said he could not explain it. He couldn't explain it. <laughs> he couldn't. He said he described what sleep paralysis is, and then I described one experience where three flatmates had had the same um, experience of sleep paralysis on the same night in the same house, which was, which was a place where other kind of strange phenomena was going on. And he said, that's not sleep paralysis. I don't know what it is, but it's not sleep paralysis. Mm. So they, he, they don't have all the answers. But I, I think as your friend, you know, as your friend's experience testifies, these moments are, are broad and, and we don't actually know what's going on. Like, yes, it allowed fear in and it allowed the beauty of the, friend, the friendship of the departed friend to come in. Both of those things came through together, you know. It's interesting that you say we don't actually know what's going on. Um, but we can ask yeah. and we can receive the answers. So when yep. stuff happens that's not taught at school, or that the experts don't know about, or it's on the mainstream media. Mind you, you know, YouTube and the internet is so fantastic because yep. people can have these, you know, listen to these conversations. So good. But when yep. stuff does happen to you, all you need to do is ask. It's like, could you please show me what's going on? Like ask your guardian angel, ask yes. your higher self, ask your guides, ask your yes. inner being. Because yes. uh, everyone's got it. Like no one's alone. No one's left here alone to navigate yes. this third dimensionality where we're so locked out of so this expanded awareness. And so when, when strange stuff does happen, mm. ask. And if you can't find the answers within yourself, um, yeah, ask someone who can find the answers. Mm. So, yeah. Mm. And you can, find. like, we can find the answers and they yeah. are within ourselves. And, yeah. you know, and even if we find them through another person, it's because yeah. we're all connected. It's a web, you know. Exactly. It's fascinating. It's fascinating. Yeah. Exactly. 
exactly. So we went off track. We were going to go Love back. Never to Love never dies. <laughs> Love <laughs> never dies. Love never dies. Because it's the um, name of, and we discussed this when we were in the car that day, um, of uh, Elisa Medhus is in the Awakened by Death book. That's yes. the, you know, what do you want to call your chapter? Love Never Dies, which yeah. is kind of really obvious. I was surprised that not everyone wanted to call their chapter that, you know, because it's yeah. <laughs> no love not dying. And so tell me that's about people... Yeah, it's about um, people who've sensed the spirit of a loved one and there are myriad ways to do that. I wanted to write it because in my first two books, I included stories of people who'd sensed the spirit of a loved one. And these to me were the among the most powerful stories, you know. In Spirit Sisters, there's a story of a mother whose two little girls died in a horrific car accident. Yeah, and that was sad. Was Oh, it's such a sad story. And it was only, I mean, it's sad in the sense that my interviewee, Kath, was, she was wanting to end her life in that, in that after that happened, yeah. you know, and which is understandable. And it was on this night of her deepest despair, like the night where she had, she had reconciled that she would do this thing. She wanted to go back. She wanted to be with them. She wanted to be a family on the other side with her girls. And it was on this night that they came to her. Mm. And it was so powerful, the experience of seeing them. And she describes them floating down from the corner of the room towards her. Interestingly, she was paralysed and could only move her eyelids and the tears were flowing down her face. Um, it was only this idea of seeing her little girls again, who were eight and nine, I think, or nine and ten at the time, little girls, um, that let, helped her go on. Mm. And, I, and so when I when I realized that, that these experiences that some people are very quick to dismiss are powerful enough to make a person want to keep on living. I thought I want to explore this in more detail. So Love Never Dies is the third and the last book in that particular trilogy. Um, and it's, it's a very uplifting book because, because people they get the strength to go on, you know, and they find they, their hearts are open, their, their awareness is open to a greater reality. They have the, the, the means now to go on to a new life, knowing that their loved one is still around, but not in that beloved physical form, you know, which is a grief, of course, that they can't mm. reach out to that beloved physical form. But knowing that they're still around in a different way, um, it makes all the difference to their lives. It's definitely a book for grieving people, yeah. people who have lost. Uh, definitely for grief, yeah. That that's yeah, and it's quite. It's not too out there, uh, I suppose. So you could no. give it to people that are maybe just entering this conversation. You can, you can. Oh, it's talking yeah. about time slips and, you know. No, so it's not too... It. <laughs> it's not, yeah, so it's really more about grief and... The love. It's love, about the love. Know, our loved ones that are gone and perhaps you might, some people sense them, you know, from anything from smelling the cigarette smoke or the perfume that was associated with them right through to seeing them at their bedsides, looking restored to health and, and, um, and vitality. You know, um, there is, there's a chapter in there about deathbed experiences, which I'm also fascinated about. Mm -hmm. And um, I interviewed, oh, I've done that again. I've interviewed a nurse uh, who's a hospice care nurse, and she told me the most wonderful stories of people who are getting ready to transition and the, and the things that they see and say, you know, and again, there are many common threads within those experiences, you know, this idea of the face becoming radiant and luminous in a way that is, we just don't see in our earthly day-to-day -day lives. Like towards the end, they get this 
appearance. Um, You know, this idea of seeing their late loved ones at their bedsides. Um, There's a beautiful thing. I just want to inject this before I forget because I think of a million things to say and then I forget. That appearance thing was something that struck me too about the vibrational frequency or resonance of the spirit. Yes. Earthbound spirits or people that haven't crossed over, they're still believing their stressful thoughts and they're kind of, you know, stuck in that loop, appeared, always appeared to be kind of grey. Yes. And like not shiny. And then spirits who have, you know, transitioned over and then they let go of all their stressful thoughts and they realise that they are love and we're all love and we come from a place of love. They always shone and looked youthful and beautiful. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) It's lovely. Yeah. And I was thinking, you know, it's the same on earth. It is. It's like when you're believing your stressful thoughts, you look grey. And when you're in love, like yeah. whether you're in love with your cat or your dog or your children or your partner, or life. you radiate, or life, yeah. you radiate this, yeah. you shine like the sun, you know. It's true. It's true. And you yeah. can, you, you know, like you can see instances where people age before their years you yeah. know, because they're focusing and, and staying and, you know, it's almost, I don't mean to sound unkind, but it is almost like a wallowing and yeah. we're all prone to do that. We're yeah. all prone to wallow in sadness and, you know, hard things that happen in life because it's challenging. But you're right. It is the same, you know, as it is in heaven, <laughs> you know, as they say. <laughs> as above, so below. So going back yeah. to your hospice nurse, what were you yes. saying so I love these experiences as well. And there's a wonderful story about Steve Jobs. I mean, there are lots of contemporary accounts now as well of deathbed experiences and, and high-profile people whose experiences have come into the, into the media um, recently. And so, for instance, Steve Jobs, who, whose sister wrote in the New York Times, a very reputable and, you know, first-hand account, she said that he looked past her and through her. She said he looked through her in his last moments and he just said, oh, wow, oh, wow, oh, wow. And they were his last words. Yeah. And it's just, what's he seeing, you know? I know. Great. (laughs) Can I see it? Yeah, yeah, there is that, you know. So Love Never Dies is a real, again, it's a grab bag of experiences but just focusing on this idea of the loved one. So... It, the people aren't seeing spirits who they don't recognise or they're not feeling spirits that they don't recognise. It's always, um, you Loved know, one. somebody who's, who they've yeah. cared about, who's gone and how they continue to connect. Continue, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You know, I, 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 yeah. it's funny because I don't really have access to other people's dead relatives if they're not a vibrational frequency to the, yes. um, to the intention I speak to, you know, yeah. beyond this third dimensional world uh but i do have often not always have access to people i know that i've met uh not often but i did have a relative who died who i had no access to after she died even though before she died she was like 94 just before her 95th birthday i kept saying will you talk to me from heaven hope will you come and say hello and you know keep the communication going of course of course of course she didn't really know where she was going and she kept quizzing me and she didn't really believe it because like many people she was like hesitant and but I didn't have access to her for ages yeah and I remember saying why can't I feel you why can't I see you why 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 and then one morning I was waking up and it was as if 
just before I was in that, before waking up, just coming into that where her head pierced some sort of veil. Like it's like she sort of stuck her head through water and she put her face right in front of my face and said, can you see me now? (laughs) And and I just like, it shocked me awake. I was like, Oh, because it was like right in my face. Cause I had been reaching out. Where are you? Where are you? And she'd been knocking herself out trying to connect, but I had had some block to it. So yeah. And she might have had a block too, you yeah. know, like, because as you say, before she passed, she was in a little bit of confusion. She didn't yeah. really know where she was going. So her intention wouldn't have been as firm as yours. So perhaps she Maybe. was doing, doing some work, you know, as well. This is true. This is, I hadn't thought about it. I'm always thinking it's my fault, yeah. but my, you're absolutely right. This is very true. Yeah. So she wasn't a vibrational frequency of the mob I normally talk to. So maybe she yeah. had to do some work. Well, yes. she, try, it was, she was trying her darndest because it was such uh, like, you know, like yeah, yeah. frustration, like, can you see me now? Yeah. So um, I thought it was, she was frustrated with me not perceiving yeah. her. I guess she was frustrated with me not perceiving her. But she managed to get through. And then after she got that, through. Yeah. I, had better, I had better connection with her. But... You know, we've all, we, there's always, the connection never dies, even when no. people just never die. Like love never dies, as you say in the book. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, we don't need to grieve. Uh, we don't need to feel separate because, like, grief is just a feeling of separation. From and it can block, um, my understanding after interviewing absolutely. all these people, is it, it can block the communication. But we still need to to just allow that process to play out, you know, and be gentle with ourselves because we are humans. We are physical. We're, you know, incarnate and you will obviously grieve the physical absence of someone you adore. So, um, you know, uh, my advice would be just be gentle with yourself and work through that and don't, you know, don't um, demand too much of yourself. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So the next book you want to do is Near-Death Experiences, is that correct? I, I would love to. I'm actually speaking with a lady who's had a, a, an incredible one and she's writing down her, I'm, I'm sort of working with her, encouraging her to write down her experience and perhaps, you know, if everything aligns and it's all meant to be, I will help this lady get this, this story out. But I do, I do think a book about NDEs is, is coming. Yeah. 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 Well, there's plenty out there, but I've, I've got to say there can't be enough of them. I think. Oh, yeah. I think we need to provide platforms for people to be able to share their yes. stories, whether they're psychic, you know, stories, time slips, double yes. gangers, you know, perceiving different realities. I think that providing a platform where people can share them, especially if they're not well versed in knowing how to write or too scared to come on camera yes. or. Yeah, it's and there's a sense also, Karen, at this point that it's urgent. Like, absolutely, it, yeah, we need to try an alternative. Like, what we've been doing is not working, and we need to try an alternative. And my sense is, my humble sense is that sharing these stories, you know, uh, looking at these possibilities, it's all part of a healing solution. You know, if we can just so, have faith in that, you know. God, you said it, girl. It is urgent. You know, yeah. I've had a big wake-up call just having Penny on the show last, and it's, it's 
only been a week, but I've thought about it over and over again. You know, back in 81, she had this group of beings called, that she called the robes that gave her some probable realities of Earth's mm. future, right? And many people have had this. I've spoken to many people on yeah. the show, like Lorna Byrne, yeah. who has angels speaking to her, showed her when she was a child. So Lorna's in her 60s. And so when she was a child, she was shown all these... Um, an earth being destroyed yeah. because the human consciousness is just not getting with the program quick yeah. enough. Yeah. Um, not that the planet explodes, but that the life on the planet yeah. ceases to operate. And people that have been on ships have been showed by ETs, you know, probable realities. Yep. And Penny said that, you know, we've done a lot of work, a lot of people like us mm. who've been sharing love and yeah. stories and, but not enough because that's right. still, you know, when I went and heard that story about the genital, I'm just thinking, oh. oh, damn, you know, like you just forget that stuff like that goes on on this planet and you think, yeah, you know, what more can you do? It is urgent. Exactly. Something exactly. that you said at the beginning of this, you said when you were a kid, you saw the sun destroying the earth. Well, I read about it in a kid's you textbook. read about it in yeah. a kid's textbook. kid's textbook. It was just a fact. It's a fact and that's what got to me as a kid because this was in my textbook. It wasn't in a novel. It was in a textbook and it was very it, matter of fact. But it's something that you remembered. Yes. Oh, I yeah. That was like your wake-up call too. And if anyone yeah. listening to this, that is the wake-up call because yeah. that is more a reality today than ever before, that there could yeah. be some blast within the sun that's really going to wake humanity up, you know. So it's going to take out systems. Yeah of corruption yeah. but it's also going to take out systems of survival yeah. that means that we have to come together because you see what happens in disasters people come together Absolutely. in unity right to, to help, help us yeah and do mm. we need to have some mm. you know explosion from the sun in order to bring humanity together in a more unified loving way um, well, I think that we've been seeing evidence of that throughout, you know, the last decade more, you know, the, the, the last century, so many natural disasters. And as you say, like you see people pull together to help each other and they're like little wake up calls. This mm -hmm. is how it should wake up be. Calls. Mm. Are you going to grasp it or not? This mm. is how it should be. Take care of one another, help each other, you know, have empathy your fellow human yeah like we can have a wake-up call through trauma or we can have a wake-up call through awareness and mm -hmm. we have a choice so do you let your cynical closed-mindedness yes keep you yes. operating in an old way and then get a sledgehammer moment i've had many of them, <laughs> call them <laughs> so have i <laughs> that's another show karen or do you listen to your heart speaking yeah. to you and, and like let go of the fear and let go of the resentment yeah. and the hatred and the judgment Definitely. and the criticism. Exactly. And open your mind. Yeah. So, exactly. dying one, you are doing such wonderful work. Thank you. Yeah. I just looked at the clock. It's 12.21. Yeah. I know. We've just chatted. chatted. It's, gone, it's gone like that. And uh, more to come. More to come. Marina Machado podcast spirit sisters watch out for it so you'll see it on places like itunes and yep. other places where else maybe stitcher radio Mixer yes i mean i'm very going to post it yeah i'm not sure yet about all that. <laughs> it'll it'll come and I'll, I'll promote it um and in the meantime if anybody would like to send me um, a story or if they're interested in telling me about their experiences please um reach out on my facebook page uh, karina machado or my website or send me an email
I'd love to hear about it. Beautiful. Love to hear stories. I'll never stop loving the stories. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Well, something I was going to say and I've forgotten again. So many thoughts go through my mind. Um, Thank you so much for being on the show. It's been a blessing, such a blessing. And um, can't wait to see more from Karina Machado. Thank you so much, Karen. I'm so honoured to be on here after listening to you for months. Here I am. How did that happen? I know. Crazy, right? Yeah. yeah. Thank you. And um, it's lovely to, yeah, to be in touch with you. Love it. Thank you. Another fascinating show with the brilliant, gorgeous superstar, Karina Machado. Really, she's just going to help me out with the awakening soul series because she's got all those fabulous writing expertise and we were just talking about hatching some plans to have some more events here in sydney having this conversation live she's down a bit south of sydney but i've got a spare room she needs to stay (laughs) and uh how we need to expand this conversation because yeah these times are urgent we need to get the love out there she was telling me about marianne williamson who apparently is running for president. And Marianne Williamson was saying that the conversation around fear is huge and we need to have a bigger conversation around love to change this world and it needs to be in politics as much as anywhere else. And so uh, stop vilifying and judging each other, start loving each other. So we're going to hatch a plan, her and I, to spread the love more in Sydney, either through books or events or more podcasting, yeah, so if you've got stories that you think that could help both of us, you know, contact me. Or if you go to my website, I'll have uh, Karina's uh, contact details there and her website and everything. Links there on the website. The link to the page on my website will be underneath this, either on iTunes or SoundCloud or Stitcher Radio or Mixcloud. We're all over the place and on YouTube. And share the love share your stories share your stories expand your awareness uh share your stories in the awakening soul series too uh book two is hopefully coming out this year with people's awakening stories we were just chatting about that and you know what i'm really looking for is some angelic stories people having angelic encounters encounters with what they know as an angel either they see them i had howard storm talk about when he went through his near-death experience, a young doctor walked in the room and the room seemed to light up and he just, he thought it was some young doctor. And then when he walked out, he said to the nurse, who was that doctor? And she said, there was no doctor in here. There's <laughs> an angel saying, it's all right, you're going to be all right, everything like that. So I think sharing the angelic stories, just reminding us that we're supported and guided and loved. And sometimes these angelic beings can manifest into what we perceive as physical people. Yeah. I'd love some stories like that. So that's in the years to come next year. And also ETs, ET encounters, your ET encounters. I want to expand that consciousness too, that we're not alone in the universe and that we have our ET friends that are much more highly evolved than we are, many of them, most of them, most of them. And they're helping us as well. So we have help. You know, there is help. There's help out there to help us overcome grief, to help us expand our awareness, to help us expand our technology help us expand the love so that we stop killing each other and killing the planet killing the animals and start living in a different way in a a new way a new society it's all part of the shift be a part of the shift so i'd love to hear from you if you have these types of stories as well as i'll put you in touch with karina if you've got 
stories for her too, near-death experiences. She's looking for near-death experiences. I know I can send her some. Love you all. Uh, if you're you know, looking for some guidance into who you are, why you're here and why, what's, what's it all about, you know, we can help you. Me and the mob, sort that out. Get you activated. I've got a new elevator pitch. You want to hear it? The activator, accelerator, accentuator and acclimator of the new world teachers. <laughs> That's my new elevator pitch. <laughs> There's my little friend. <laughs> Remember to buy the book Awakened by Death and hopefully I'll get the Amazon links on my website for all Karina's books because they are fascinating and you could buy them for friends and family that are waking up or people that are grieving, especially um, Love Never Dies. That's great for anyone that's grieving. It just shows that that communication from the other side, people that just didn't believe and didn't expect it. It's a beautiful book. Love you all. See you soon. Bye for now. <laughs>